If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. There are many things that set Christians apart in the eyes of the world. But perhaps the most powerful is how believers respond to crisis with compassion. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at what biblical compassion looks like and how it differs from the world's definition. To introduce the conclusion of his eye-opening message, Stay Compassionate, here's David. And thank you, friends, for joining us. You know, um, uh, during uh, COVID-19, I have been studying what happens in other uh, pandemics that have taken place throughout history. And uh, uh, wonderful writings by Martin Luther, who um, instructed him self and his people not to run off to their palatious homes in the mountains during the virus, but to stay and minister to the people. And his comment was very interesting. He said, if that means the Lord wants me to go home during this time while I'm ministering to others, he said this, he knows where I am. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's really one of the best things that has happened during COVID-19 uh, here at Shadow Mountain. We fed um, a thousand families for many weeks, actually 1,800 people altogether who were involved in that and 27,000 meals. And uh, we did that because we saw the hurt in the people around us, the hunger in our community. And that's what happens. That's what Christians do when things get tough. We stand up and uh, we show compassion. That's what the lesson is about. We started it yesterday. We'll finish it today in just a few moments. But I want you to um, know that we have a book that you can order for your own study, and it will take you through everything we're talking about on the radio. It'll be a great um, small group study, especially now. Here's how you would do that. You would get this book by sending a gift to Turning Point during the month. Then order study guides for everybody in your group. You do that by going to davidjeremiah.org, and there you will find a way to order these beautiful study guides. So here you are. You have the book. They'll have the study guides. You can also get the CDs from our website. Now you're ready to host and uh, facilitate a study on the key scriptures in the Bible that instruct us as to what to do as we await the Lord's return. I hope you'll take advantage of this opportunity. And don't forget to get the book, to get the textbook or the book that covers everything that I'm saying, has everything that we're talking about on the radio and plus more. All you have to do is send a gift to Turning Point during the month of April. That's how you acquire the book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. This 230-page book is waiting for you. When you send your gift, simply ask for it, and we'll send it to you. You can get the study guides and the CDs uh, through our website. Now let's get started. There's a basic standard for love in the Bible, and here it is. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. We know this verse well, but listen to it again in this context. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how in the world can he love God whom he hasn't seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. And the result is set forth is this, John thirteen thirty five. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. How do they know we're Christians? By our love for one another. All that is saying is that whether we know it or not, friends, people are watching and they watch more closely when they know that we are people of faith. I don't know if you know this, but I want to announce something to you. This may be a heads up for all of you. You're in a crisis right now like we've never been in this nation and you are being watched. You're being watched by a lot of folks who understand that you claim to be a Christ follower and they want to know how you deal with stuff like this and what is your way of handling the crisis and where is your compassion for the people around you. We need to be men and women of compassion in a very critical and serious time in our culture. People are watching and they watch closely and they have a right to watch. It is their right to watch us to see if we are who we claim to be. Now, the biblical standard is this. Love one another. But now we come to this difficult part. The difficult part is that we're not only to love one another, but we're to love everybody. Jesus came to give us the definitive expression of loving. In the words of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, Matthew 5.46 is this. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. Paul is saying that the basic standard of loving one another is okay, but there's a higher standard than that, and that is we're to love all people. The people that you don't even like, you got to love. Loving our loved ones is a good start. Loving the people in our church is okay. The higher standard, on the other hand, sends a strong, clear message that we, the people of Christ, are not your average, everyday human beings. Those who are watching us don't weigh the size of the Bibles we carry. They don't keep a calendar for totaling the number of Bible study meetings we attend. They don't give us a test on the mastery of biblical trivia. But they watch with intense interest to see how we treat others. First of all, those who are close to us, and then the championship round, everybody else. Paul wrote, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. Say that with me. And to all. Those final three words are the tricky part, aren't they? For the Thessalonians, all was a difficult word. All was about people who were abusing and persecuting them. All was about those who were doing them physical harm. But if we're going to love beyond limits, we're going to have to learn how to love those around us that we don't even sometimes like. You've all heard me preach a lot. If you listen to the radio and you know one of my favorite people is C.S. Lewis, and I've got everything that he's ever written, and I try to read it often. I love C.S. Lewis. He's got a wonderful little thing about friendships and how we can love everybody. Listen to this. He says that an unbeliever makes his choice as to whom he will show kindness, but a Christian has a different secret. He writes that we shouldn't waste our time worrying about whether we love our neighbors. We should just act as if we did. The difference between worldly people and Christians is that the worldly treat people kindly when they like them. Christians try treating everyone kindly and thus find themselves liking a lot more people, including some of the people they never expected to like in the first place. 
Christians, in other words, let their actions lead and their feelings follow. Here's a very important psychological principle, and I'm not much of a psychologist and don't intend to be, but listen to this. Human nature feels its way into acting. Christian nature acts its way into feeling. Get that. Don't forget that. Humans feel their way into acting. In other words, if I feel like liking this person, I'll I'll like him. But I don't feel like liking him. I don't like this dude, man. I don't like him, and I'm not going to like him. And don't ask me to like him. And a Christian understands that we are called upon by Almighty God to love one another and to love all. And we do it out of obedience, even if we don't feel like doing it. And we discover that in the process of being obedient and doing what God calls us to do, all of a sudden, we discover that there are likable qualities in these people that we have just shut out of our lives because we don't want anything to do with them. We know we're not prone to doing the right thing when we're left to our own devices, and so God takes it out of our hands. He just says, this is what you will do if you're my disciples. You will love one another and all, and you will love them. I know this sounds like a disconnect, but you will love them even if you don't like them. You say, Pastor, that seems phony. Well, if you're going to worry about your motives in this thing, you'll never get off the dime. Just do it. Love one another and show that love to all. And then watch what God does. Now let's just pause for a moment and think this through. Think about the person you really don't like. You keep your distance and you harbor ill feelings toward that person. What do ill feelings do when we give them free reign? They grow more ill. They are never self-healing. But what happens if you ignore the ill feelings and put your best foot, somebody called it the Christ foot, put your Christ foot forward you find that friendliness with that person isn't as bad as you thought it would be. And much of the time, that person, sensing or outright knowing your dislike, is surprised, shamed, and hopefully inspired into returning the friendliness. This is what Paul, quoting Proverbs, calls heaping hot coals on someone's head. And in the next verse where he quotes this in the book of Romans, he adds, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's leading with actions and letting the feelings follow. And when we do it, we begin to look an awful lot like Jesus. We begin to look like children of the Father. You remember that passage that we read a few moments ago? If you want to look like Jesus, you got to do what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus did. So that's the essence of compassion and the expression of it. Now, let's look at the example of it. Right here in 1 Thessalonians, we have an incredible example. And and I want you to read with me verse 12 of the third chapter. This is what it says. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. Now lock in on the last phrase. Just as we do to you. Now get this, folks. This is what Paul is saying. Is you want to know how to love one another and to love all? Well, here's how you do it. You do it just like we did it to you. Just like we loved you. We want you to love others. Now how did they love the Thessalonians. Well, I'm glad you asked because I went through the book and I just picked out a few things to illustrate how they loved the Thessalonian believers. And you can't get all of these, but you can just listen and watch and you can get a kind of a starting list for how you do it. If you read through the book of First Thessalonians, what you discover is, first of all, in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, that they gave thanks for the Thessalonians. We give thanks to God always for you. So Paul and his associates thanked God for these people. And then it says in the second part of that same verse that he prayed for them. 
making mention of you in our prayers. So thank God for the people you don't like and pray for them. And then it says he preached the gospel to them. Paul and his friends never lost an opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to whoever. And 1 Thessalonians 2, 2 says, But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in the midst of a lot of conflict. People don't always appreciate having the gospel preached to them, but that's what we do, isn't it? We do it kindly and lovingly. We don't try to jam it down their throat. But while we're helping them and loving them and praying for them, when we get a chance, we tell them about Jesus. And then it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8 that he was gentle and kind and considerate toward them. Notice this. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children, so affectionately longing for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but we gave you our own lives because you had become dear to us. This is precisely what compassion looks like. And finally, it says he sacrificed for them. In verse 9 of chapter 2, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of our God. And you know what that meant. Paul was a tent maker, and he didn't want the people to whom he was teaching and ministering to have to pay anything for his services. So after he would minister to them all day, he would stay up half the night making tents so that he could live, so he could buy food. It was an expression of his love for these people. This is the ultimate proof of compassion. It's not what we say we feel. It's not what we talk. It's what we do. And if you look through the book of 1 Thessalonians, you see that Paul was absolutely right when he says, you want to know how to do this? Just watch what I do. This is how I love people. I want you to love people like I love people. I'm not ready to say that in my church yet because I got a lot of growing to do in this area myself. But I so admired this Paul, this Paul the Apostle, who came out of a background of hatred, who came out of a background where he was killing the Christians. And when Jesus Christ took over his life, he became a lover. And now he expresses to us in his letters that that's what we should be as well. Five things I've shared with you are just a starting place. If you're going to love somebody that you don't like, you don't just do it with your heart. You don't do it with your emotions. You do it with action. You find a way to express that love. There's a more recent persecutor of Christians who gives us an example of that kind of love. His name is Tas Sa'ada, and they call him the Butcher. He was a PLO sniper and one of Yasser Arafat's bodyguards. Like Paul, he had an encounter with the living Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he was transformed into a brand new person. The butcher became a man of love and compassion, but that made him very unpopular with his family, and many of his local friends wanted to kill him because of his conversion. Today, Toss and his American wife, Karen, have a compassion ministry to those living in miserable poverty and daily danger in Gaza Strip and on the West Bank. It was there that Joel Rosenberg and his wife traveled to meet the Saadas not long ago. And they were there to visit a hospital that treated victims of the border clashes, both Jew and Arab. The Israeli doctors couldn't believe Za'ada's stories about the man he had once been, a PLO killer capable of murdering all the Jews to whom he was presently speaking. But now this man had become a man helping to finance a hospital and ministering to the people who came to the hospital that once he had tried to kill How on earth, he had asked, had such a change come about? It wasn't a matter of earth, but heaven. 
And Tas gave credit to the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory to God. His heart, he said, was completely transformed so that now the Jewish people that he once tried to kill, he had an incredible love for them and he was doing everything he could to show compassion to them and also to the Arabs who were their enemies. And I want to say to you, friends, if you don't feel like you're much of a compassionate person, and I'm sure there's some personality types here, and your wife knows it's true of you, man, if, you, if it's you, and you say, I'm just not that. I'm just not that kind of emotional. Listen, Paul wasn't. And Sa'ada wasn't. But God can change our hearts, can he? And he can make us the kind of people we ought to be. He can fill us with a sense of sympathy and empathy for the people around us who need a touch from God. Now, we've looked at the essence of compassion and the expression of it and the example of it. Talk with me for just a moment about the effect of it. What is the effect of compassion? If you look down at your Bibles in the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians, it says that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Do you know how you get to be holy? You get to be holy by following the impression and the instruction of the Word of God. To be a Christian means to be a little Christ. And if you want to know how to be holy and you want to be a little Christ and truly be a Christian, then you're going to have to become like Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus live? He loved people everywhere he went. He touched lepers. He befriended social pariahs. He cured sick people. He cherished children. He had compassion for everybody that crossed his path. His last acts were to pray for the forgiveness of his murderers and then to look beside him and feel compassion for a dying thief whom he encouraged and assured of salvation. In his deepest hours of agony, never for a moment did he take a break from loving other people. In the upper room, he told his disciples that their main work would be to love one another. The more difficult his life became, the more crowded he was by the demands of people, and the closer to his torturous death he grew, the more loving and compassionate and forgiving he became. Who can follow that act? I can't. Who can have such a heart? None of us here can qualify. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you up with himself, the Holy Spirit will make you like Jesus Christ. And he will develop in you a heart of compassion for those around you. Finally, let me talk with you about the exercise of compassion. There are so many fringe benefits to living the way God wants us to live. Did you know that if you develop a heart of compassion, you will live longer? Did you know that? You say, where is that in the Bible? I never saw that before. Well, it's not in the Bible, but they've done a study on it. I thought I'd just share a little bit of it with you because it's pretty cool. A guy by the name of Alan Lux was the executive director of the Big Brothers and Big Sisters charity for 18 years leading up to his retirement. And in his book, The Healing Power of Doing Good, he describes a study of 3,000 volunteers of all ages throughout the country. The results of a computerized questionnaire demonstrated a clear cause and effect relationship between helping others and having good health. He concluded that helping contributes to the maintenance of good health, even diminishing the effect of diseases and disorders, serious and minor, psychological and physical. Doing good for others does good for us. It reverses the destructive process of it being absorbed with ourselves. It moves us into the healthy arena of seeing the needs of other people. And it ultimately opens us up to the reality of God and his desire and destiny for us. And we can do that because God would never ask us to do something we could not do. He has equipped us with everything we need, all the precious promises of the Word of God and the infilling of His Holy Spirit. 
And it's time that we get out of ourselves. Stop feeling sorry for all the things we're experiencing and look out from within the windows of our own soul and see the people around us who need to know that God is living and he's living today on this earth in the persons of the people who have come to know him through his son, Jesus Christ. One last story before we finish. Roy Anthony Borges had a moment like that while he was in prison. He had become a Christian and he'd begun unlearning everything that life had taught him, particularly everything prison had taught him. In prison, and I know some people that have been in prison and some people that are in prison now and they all say, if you don't have a healthy dose of hate, you can't make it in prison. Hate is what you live on to protect yourself from the hate of others. That's the code of the prisons. Every inmate had far more enemies than they had friends. And here he was in the midst of all of that. Well, a typical enemy for Borges was Rodney, who stole his radio and his headphones one day while Borges was exercising out in the yard. He was playing volleyball in the prison yard, and the radio that he had, which was a very special prize to anybody in prison, had been given to him by his mother. The earphones had been a Christmas present from his sister. When you're locked up in a prison cell, no contact with the outside, the possibility of Staying sane often rests within a simple radio or an iPod or something like that that gives you something to listen to to take your mind off your situation. Borges was a Christian, but he was so angry at this Rodney. He wanted to kill him. At first, that's what he thought about doing. But he was wise enough to begin to pray about what to do. And as he began to pray, he began to feel that God was testing him and wanted to teach him a lesson. The anger was not so easily removed, and every day when he had the impulse to jump Rodney and to wipe that silly grin off of his face, there was a Bible verse that wouldn't leave his mind. It was Romans 12:20, where Paul instructs us to forget about vengeance and leave it all to God. Finally, Borges actually began to see his enemy from a perspective he had never dreamed he could have. He began to see him from the view of God. He began praying for the man and expecting something miraculous to happen in his life. This man who had stolen his radio and his headphones. It got even stranger. Before he knew it, Borges was helping his enemy. He was talking to him about Jesus. Entirely forgetting to hate Rodney, and one day he saw the miracle. Rodney was kneeling next to his bunk, reading the Bible on his own. He said, I knew then that it still works, that good does still overcome evil. We can love our enemies. We can show love to one another and to all. In these difficult days, we need to learn that lesson. And my friends, I want to tell you, there'll be stress and tension. And you're going to be more prone than usual to give in to bitterness. It'll be easy to nurture a, a grudge against somebody else who may be doing better than you are, or maybe didn't hit the pink slips when you did, or didn't get laid off when you did, or whose children are doing okay and yours aren't. You can rationalize it by saying you've had a hard time and that you'll get back to being Christ-like when this stuff is over. But that vaults you into one of the sad downhill slopes toward living with hopelessness. In this world, it will never be convenient to be godly on your own terms. There's another way, and that's the way of responding to crisis by doubling down on patience, kindness, long-suffering, and compassion. Let your love increase and abound, says Paul. 
the result will be a joy that transcends your circumstances. And if enough of us get in on that, then even the circumstances can't hold out. We can change all this for the better if we'll start worrying about others instead of worrying about ourselves. So you want to live with confidence in a chaotic world? Stay calm. But don't forget to stay compassionate. When you start to show compassion to others, a sense of empowerment will come into your own spiritual life. And you will begin to realize that we are bigger than all of this in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I hope this message has encouraged you. And right now, you should be thinking of some ways you can put this into practice in your own personal life. Many of you are doing it already, and this is just an affirmation that you're on the right track. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about how to stay constructive. And I hope you'll join us then for the Friday edition of Turning Point. Uh, During the month of April, we have some cards we'd love to send you. These cards go along with each of these messages. Um, On the back, there is a focus of all of the things that you'll learn in each message is kind of the cliff notes of each message and the key verse of each message. And the cards are four by six. You can carry them with you and just kind of review them. And uh, this will be a great encouragement to you as you go forward. I hope you'll take advantage of it. And uh, just ask for the cards when you call or write or get in touch with us uh, uh, through email. We, we just want to make them available to you. We want to add value to your life through these cards. And... Uh, you'll give us the opportunity to do that, that's what we'll do. And we'll see you right here tomorrow for the Friday edition of Turning Point. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Is Turning Point making a difference in your life? Share your story by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and Live with Certainty in These Uncertain Times. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong partners, a special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Bible strong, you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly influencing your world newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount 
for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. Join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society.